scripture can and has been tested. It can be tested. It has been tested. And so when you look at what you're reading, you don't have to be afraid to test it in any way. And that's what they were doing. And true scripture passed the test. And this is, again, that business of not being decided, but rather discovered. And that takes faith to say, like, I believe that God has said he will preserve his word. And I believe that he has accomplished that. And I believe that he is doing that through his church because that's how he's chosen to work by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hello again, and thanks for joining us today on Study with Friends. I'm Paige, and we're so thankful you're joining us today as we continue our multi-part series on how the biblical canon was formed. Holly and Lauren are walking us through important conversations about the process of choosing books and answering questions that we might encounter. If you've missed any part of this series or would like additional resources, you can find all of this and more at our website, studywithfriends.org. We're also available to listen on any of your favorite streaming services. And for those who are visually inclined, you can check us out on YouTube. Let's continue our discussion. That is a common question. One of the things that C, I think it is C.S. Lewis, he's one of my favorites, um, also says is, well, uh, the reliability of the scribes who when mm-hmm. books were invented before the printing press, right. uh, same idea. Were yeah. they writing down their own ideas? No. Oh. And also this, um, one of the things that he touches on in one of his books, I can't think of, but um, is, uh, well, it was changed over time to suit the church. But what he said, I think it's C.S. Lewis, and maybe you'll know, what he says is that would be like publishing a newspaper and then three years later trying to go back and get every edition of that newspaper that had been printed that day. Yeah. And And change it. Yeah, so all of this is not to say that every copy of every book always looked exactly the same because that's not true like there there are some differences again when I say the word negligible that's not to say that they didn't exist Mm -hmm. but that they were small or they happened in one copy and we have the testament of all of these other copies so oh like that one was the outlier this one has an outlying Mm -hmm. word but the canon of scripture cannot be brought down by one word being miscopied and so the the scope of the copies that we do have because of Qumran and because of other discoveries um, allow us to see a, a good testament of reliable transmission. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. We'll put an article in for the D- Dead Sea Scrolls too. And I'm going to put in that. Did you end up reading that link I sent you about the new ones? I glanced through it. I, yeah. Pretty exciting. Yeah. So uh, we'll put some Dead Sea Scroll articles in there too. There's more to learn about so many of these things. There, so we'll yeah, just put some resources. We'll put some good resources. That's what people want is they want resources that they can trust yeah. so that they can go as far as they want to go, uh, which may be sh- deep, may be shallow, but at yeah. least give let's give them some resources. That's good. Anything else on the Old Testament before no, we... I wish we had time to talk about the Dead Sea Scrolls more because there's a lot there, but we don't. Well, that one you can talk about without me because I... <laughs> yep, go forth and do the New Testament yeah. canon, my friend. So the New Testament gets dicier 
because we have the the early church starting to try to discern scripture as it's being written Mm -hmm. for at least part of the time. Um, And so in the first few centuries, you have the books that we now accept as the New Testament being written, but you also have lots of other things being written, um, like the Gnostic Gospels. And you have other things being written by people that we don't have. You know, there, there's lots of literature being written and being circulated. And the early church is saying, okay, we need to we need to protect the church. We need to preserve the word of God. Mm-hmm. And so in order to do that, we need to be able to discern what the word of God is. Mm-hmm. And so we talked a little bit about the councils earlier, um, but a little bit about what a council is <laughs> that, uh, you know, uh, in the early church, um, and through the Middle Ages, too, the church would call councils. They would call ecumenical councils, which meant that all the churches from far and wide, wherever they could reach, were invited to come to discuss a particular issue. And so the most broadly known would be the Council of Nicaea, that um, Constantine sees a lot of the discord in the church um, around issues of what which writings are true, which stories about Jesus are true, what is happening, um, worship practices uh, causing discord in the church, and he has the power to do something about it. And so he calls the Council of Nicaea, um, in particular, they wanted to deal with the heresy of Arianism, which we don't have to get into today, but if you want to look it up, um, to really talk about, okay, who was Christ mm-hmm. and w- in what way was he man and what may- way was he God? And we need to get the church together, get the pastors, the bishops together so that we can talk about this and we can listen to each other. And so through these councils at different points, you have out of them, you have lists of this is what we say the new Testament is. This is what we say the old Testament is. This is what we say the proper numbering of the Psalms is. Um, But what they're doing is they're, affirming what has already been in practice all across the churches. And so they're not deciding something that's brand new information to the rest of the church. They're coming together and talking about, okay, have you, has your church been reading the letter to the Romans? And has that been beneficial? Has your church been, you know, what does yours look like? Okay. Does it look like mine? Great. They're the same. You and you and you can validate who wrote it. You and you and you can talk about how it has been beneficial to your congregation. 
So let's keep reading it in our congregations. Um, it's a powwow, not like one elitist type of meeting to determine something new for the rest of the church. Um, or set a precedent. Or set, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like a judicial court. Except for says, the heretics. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but like where it's like, oh, this is our decision and it stands. Yeah. They're, they're trying to... They're trying to allow... It's not detached from what's going mm-hmm. on in the congregations. I guess mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to say. It's not... Like a king decreeing decreeing mm-hmm. that this is going to be tr- true, it is discovering a, m- a meeting of the pastors and the bishops and priests who are living this out and experiencing this mm-hmm. meeting together to yeah discover discover what um, God is already up to right and now they're just going to put it in a more solid form. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, also Holy Spirit inspired. Right. Yes. Because as we read in John, but we could read all over God's promise to preserve his people mm-hmm. is throughout scripture. God calls Abraham and says, you're, you're going to be my people. And despite the falterings of man, we are his people. Mm-hmm. Like his, his word will not return void. Um, and so he is preserving his word through the writing of the New Testament. And he's preserving his word through the acceptance mm-hmm. of the New Testament. Um, so the priorities of the early church in determining which books of the New Testament would be canon Mm -hmm. are to tell the story of Christ's life, death, and resurrection, tell who Jesus is, um, and to expound his words. And so their priorities are that the writing sees affirms Christ's divinity and humanity mm-hmm. that it is apostolic that it in some way is written by someone who is near to Christ mm-hmm. um, and that its authorship is reliable um, that okay we know John wrote this. We know Luke mm-hmm. wrote this. We know Paul wrote this. And we know that they are disciples or that they are apostles of Christ and that we can trust what they're saying mm-hmm. to be like chain of. Okay, so police. I don't, I'm not, I don't know that much about police, but I watch a lot of shows <laughs> that police on them. And so I think that what, what a good um, analogy here would be like chain of custody. So I, don't I mean, know what that means it means like what'll what'll make sense to you is like um, Polycarp, like the 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 line of I knew him, right? Uh, and so that's what I mean by chain of custody. Like 
custody of the truth that this person wrote it. Like yeah. you knew him and then I knew you and you attested like these are as close to firsthand yeah. as you can get a couple hundred years later. Like we have a uh, a straight line right from that person to the person in the room with us or the, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That uh, chain of custody is an imperfect analogy, but you see, I, I think they use it with like evidence. Like you have to be able to say who had possession of this until it oh, got okay. into the, I don't know, the room yeah. where they keep stuff. So <laughs> you sort of, you see what I'm saying? So it's a chain of custody or, or a, a straight line between the apostle capital A yeah. and the people who are trying to figure some things out. Like, there, it wasn't like there was a hole there, I guess is what I want to make right. sure that I say. There wasn't like, oh, we this knew some people text lived. appeared on our doorstep, and yeah, we think yeah, it's great, yeah. so we want it to be in the Bible. Yeah. Like, would not have happened. This so that's a good, I, I'm right, I wrote down the litmus test, which isn't what you said, but yeah. that's what I want to kind of paraphrase it as. Like, yeah. they were looking for some characteristics mm-hmm. that would affirm this was valid yeah. for canonization. And that and would can be, you give me the short list again? So the of the litmus test would be orthodoxy. Would would be that that this is in line with the faith as we know it, mm-hmm. as we have been taught who God is through the Old Testament scriptures, mm-hmm. because Christ has affirmed those for us, mm-hmm. and with everything that we have heard from the apostles about Jesus. Um, yeah. So I put I, that this affirms, book isn't saying mm-hmm. something new. Mm-hmm. Affirms um, Jesus, apostolic. Mm-hmm. Now I can't read my own writing. Oh, author, uh, authorship is reliable. Yes. I like that those are three A's. That helps. Yeah. Did I miss anything on the litmus test? Um, and then just use and adaptability. I'll give you another A. <laughs> um, that there are there were Paul wrote a lot of letters. We don't have all of them in our scripture. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the biggest reasons why is the use and adaptability. Mm-hmm. Not all of Paul's letters were needed to be Super in the Bible broad. for all mm-hmm. of the church for the rest mm-hmm. of time until Jesus returns. Um, so use and adaptability of, great, this is from this person, is orthodox, but is this what the church broadly needs? What was that? Adaptability. adaptability that's good and so that's part of why this took time like there are books that churches were using for a while and they discovered you know like this isn't this doesn't last and that's not to say that that book was bad mm-hmm. it's not to say that it was heretical heretical um but it was just to say it, it didn't get canonized mm-hmm. yeah um it didn't rise to the top one yeah. of my pastors that was a way that he said it like the true the true scriptures just were like cream and they just rose yeah. to the top and and that was a process that took time i mean i'm not a farmer i'm also not a dairy farmer but i understand that doesn't yeah. immediately happen that the cream rises to the top right. it takes a minute so that's i thought that was another good kind of practical way to think about it yeah yeah that's a good point like it takes a long time for something to become a classic mm-hmm. like we can relate to that in our culture mm-hmm. like if you it laugh stands up at the 15 year old who says this song is a classic and it was written six months ago, like, <laughs> because it can't be a classic yet. Right. It's brand new. You don't know. Um, and so broadly, all of those things are a testament to its inspiration, mm-hmm. which is really 
the category. It is the determining factor. Is this the word of God? Right. Is this being inspired? Um, and the way that the church determined to discover that truth, that aspect Mm -hmm. was through those things that it was given through the apostles. It was written at a time that was near to when Christ was here. Um, And, and there's another thing that we can take from that, that I think is really applicable for our belief system right now. Scripture can and has been tested. It can be tested. It has been tested. And so when you look at what you're reading, you don't have to be afraid to test it. Right. In any way. Yeah. Uh, And that's what they were doing. And true scripture passed the test. Right. And this is, again, that business of not being decided, but rather discovered. And that takes, it, it, it takes faith to say, like, I believe that God has said he will preserve his word. And I believe that he has accomplished that. And I believe that he is doing that through his church because that's how he's chosen to work mm-hmm. by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so there is a layer of, we just have to, yes, like to some degree, we just have to believe that that's true. Mm-hmm. And many skeptics will say that any Leap degree of, faith. of need of faith is a fault um, but that's, that's what, yeah. Did you plan to talk about the rule of faith? We have. Or no? Yes, but I don't remember where. <laughs> okay. Well, we don't have to, but, uh, but you're, you're teasing like it out. Voice. You're teasing it out. <clears throat> and I, I wonder if yeah. it's applicable here. Um, do you want to talk about the rule of faith? Nope. Um, <laughs> this is your show, girl. Um, I mean, I think just a, a practical application of what you and I are talking about the rule of faith is that. All of scripture requires a partnership um, of faith and truth. And um, you have to have some faith uh, to understand um, the world that God created, creation on its face, the idea of being able to create something from nothing. Like that's all things we have to have some level of faith on. Um, And so you know, in the same way that I have faith that if I picked up your water bottle or as you pick up that book, if you let go of it, it would drop. That's my faith in the truth of gravity. And how I came to that is practically by seeing it my whole life. Um, So the same could be said of scripture, but we all operate in a world of faith all day long. Yeah. Um, I have faith that when I get to the stop sign, or I have faith that when I get to the green light, the people who have a red light are going to stay stopped. We all work in a world that's filled with faith. Faith in each other, faith in the natural law, faith in the things we can observe that will be repeatable because we can observe them. So I just push back on the skeptic who says any measure of faith is inappropriate because we all live in a world where faith is exercised all day long. I'm not really talking about the rule of faith, but I just think faith in general as a pejorative is inappropriate even from the hardest core skeptic mm-hmm. i skirted it <laughs> i feel good about it <laughs> um <laughs> fine about it 
But the rule of faith, you, do you want to just give it the basic definition of how we read scripture through the rule of faith? So the rule of faith is just an affirmation that we have. I read something. Um, I don't even have my phone to Google somebody else's good definition of it. Sorry. <laughs> well, the rule of faith would be that like we, we approach scripture with faith that it is scripture. Right. I know, um, but it's it's also that in the process of canonization, is that only scripture that affirmed the faith that had been taught survived, survived, mm-hmm. and so it's a yes, loop. it's it's, it's loopy a loop. and windy, mm-hmm. um, but it's affirming that we believe that God will do what He said He will do. And we have evidence that he's done yep. what he said he would do. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, the New Testament was really like set, you know, sometime in like the fourth century. And there, there's not like a clear date because, again, the councils are not like transmitting this from on high that here it is wrapped in a bow for you. Mm-hmm. Um but just if you want that clear answer of like, wait, but when was this <laughs> set? You know, there's around the fourth century. Now, in we have like the list of New Testament books that um, a church historian called Eusebius tells us that one of the church fathers, Irenaeus, who lived in the late second century, we have his list of the New Testament that looks very, very close to ours. Mm-hmm. He didn't like acts, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, like this is why it matters that it wasn't one guy. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have the product mm-hmm. of one or two guys, but the, we're talking a lot about, I'm talking a lot about the fluidity of scripture. And I don't want to articulate that even with the fluidity that was there, acts took some people some time. Um, the book of revelation, took a long time to be affirmed as canon. Um, some people really never came around to James. Um, it took Luther a really long time to come around to James, and James had been affirmed for a long time before Luther was born. Um, but that for the most part, it was fairly, even while it was in flux, the pieces that were staying on the table were largely the same pieces. Yep. Yeah, and that's what I was saying earlier, that that's our foundation here, Yeah, is that it's, mostly the same we're not blowing apart yeah what we all came into this conversation believing right i think that's good that's a good anchor for us to hold on to hi again it's Paige. thanks again for joining us in our study today we hope that you found some great truths to apply to your life and encouragement for your faith as you continue to mature in your walk with jesus We here at Study With Friends are modeled more like a small group. We want to encourage you to continue your growth through the local church. If you don't have a church home, we encourage you to find one where the Bible is taught in every situation. Study With Friends is a completely donor-supported ministry. And if we have blessed you, would you consider donating to us? Monthly partnerships are particularly helpful, but no amount is too small. 
We'd also love to stay connected. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can stream us on the go wherever you are with iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And now you can watch the ladies on YouTube. If all that seems to be a bit too much for you, feel free to email us. You can find our email address on our website, studywithfriends.org. While you're there, you can check out a myriad of other resources we have that are all free for you. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time when we study with friends.